What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It is the Air It Out podcast. It is your boy, the GOAT. Avery Collins here, Christopher Thomas, and the newest member of Air It Out, but he's not really new because he's the owner of all of this. Jerome Jones is in the building. What's up? What's up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> fellas. How was your new year? It was great. You know, got the chance to watch um, some Week 17 playoff implications. And yeah, good start off to my birthday week. Excellent, excellent. And Jerome? Same. Um, birthday was uh, a week ago. So, you know, both Cap- Capricorns. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, start off a little rough the first day, but, you know, it's a new year, so it's going to last. That is correct. It is a new year. So, first of all, happy birthday, Chris. Today is actually his birthday and happy hey. related to our owner and CEO, Jerome Jones. Thank you. Thank you. Um, again, happy new year to all of you beautiful people listening. It is 2019, and you guys know what that means. A new year means it's playoff time. Playoffs. Oh, yeah. Playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> Playoff time. But before we get to the playoffs, obviously there is some shakeup going on within the Steelers organization. Mm-hmm. There are reports that Antonio Brown is out here making hard eyes and flashy eyes to comments to Greg Kittle from the San Francisco 49ers as he's trying to recruit him. So actually... Chris, I want to start with you. What do you feel about the situation that's going on with the Steelers, what's going on with Antonio Brown? Uh, well, first off, it's George Kittle. Second, <laughs> just George, little, Greg, what's the what's the difference? Um, to people, that, it means a lot. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's – would you be surprised if I say I kind of saw this coming, especially when Antonio Brown was the only person that actually backed up Le'Veon Bell's holdout? Yeah, um, Ramon Foster and the rest of the offensive line basically shaded Le'Veon Bell for his decision to hold up. Ben Roethlisberger says, next man up. And now that the season's over, the fact that their season had to, was on the shoulders of Baker Mayfield trying to beat the number one defense in the AFC, now the wheels are falling off. Ben Roethlisberger's blaming Antonio Brown. Now he's blaming the absence of Le'Veon Bell. When they were 7-2-1 and one, almost just a month ago, I think it's kind of weird that, that Mike Tomlin is actually siding with uh, ben Roethlisberger, especially considering he's been mulling retirement over the past two years over, in my opinion, the top two best offensive players in, in the NFL period. I think if Brown and Bell, which both leaving, which I definitely see happening, then the Steelers are going to be in complete rebuild mode. And Jerome. So <clears throat> this situation is crazy. I, I think it's I think everything that's going on, honestly, go, falls down to the coach, and I, I really don't see how Mike Thompson still have a job, to be honest. The last two years, there have been so much back and forth between the players, the ownership, um, Ben Roxburgh talking about he's retiring, no, I'm not retiring, blah, 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 I'm not good enough to retire. A.B., this is the second time you hear him talk about trade rumors and the whole thing about Le'Veon Bell, obviously. Um, I just think that it's too much going on in the locker room that Mike Tomlin should be – he should have some awareness of what's going on. And I f- feel like it, it falls back on him that there's all this turmoil. Uh, I, for some reason, um, A.B. and um, Ben Roxburgh is arguing uh, on the sidelines apparently. Um, and, you know, as a coach, even though, yes, your you're head's supposed to be focused on the game, you're also supposed to be focused on – what's going on inside your locker room. And I feel like 
right now he don't have a grasp of what's going on. And that's really, honestly, my biggest problem was going on. Um, will AB be still on team? I think he will be. But I think that they have to take a long, hard look on um, Mike right now because it's it's his team. He should he should know what's going on and what's going on in the locker room. To alleviate a, a little some of the blame on Thomas' part, he was expecting Le'Veon Bell to come back. But the owners didn't want to budge and try to make Le'Veon Bell the highest paid running back, as he, in my opinion, rightfully should be. But just a lot of problems. Him not having Bell back then, the, the whole – Thing with Ben Roethlisberger saying like, "Oh, I'm at a point in my career where I can just criticize whoever I want," mm-hmm. and then the whole it's only around just not taking it anymore. I mean, yeah, it definitely reflects a complete lack of leadership on in the Steel City's front. But the whole Le'Veon Bell thing, I can't blame my Tomlin for that because that falls more on the failed ownership than on Tomlin. And we definitely saw that. We definitely saw the absence of Le'Veon Bell really hurting them last year. They were ranked 20th, but they had over 100 yards rushing, and now they were dead last in in, in yards per game rushing. Even with um, good games here and there with James Conner and Jalen Samuels, the running game just wasn't the same. Real quick, um, I feel like what's going on with AB have nothing to do with ownership, to be honest, because the ownership did their their thing by paying AB. He he got paid. Everything that's going on, he's not even talking about payment. Everything that's going on in the locker room is. Everything that's going on in the locker room, like I'm saying, like I just think that. Well, I think to Chris's point, Chris, Chris is saying as far as Le'Veon Bell situation goes, not yeah, yeah. Not, not Antonio Brown. He's saying that the the ownership kind of failed Mike Tomlin in that regard, where mm-hmm. they didn't want to pay him the money that obviously we all agree yeah, that he, he rightly, rightfully deserves, being one of the top backs in the league. It's funny. It's interesting to me that all of this is happening when you have all of these stars mm-hmm. together. I think. I think. Uh, one of the things that I've always been kind of leery of, and you, you kind of see it more so in the NBA than in the NFL, is but it, when you get all these stars meeting up, how are their egos going to uh, match? How are their egos going to mesh? Like, are they going to be able to, uh, you know, work respectfully and, and people, you know, just not have their pride get uh, ahead of the team and different things like that? Um, and so you, you got a guy like Antonio Brown who kind of came out of nowhere and then he blew up. And so I think it's a situation where it kind of went through his head, went to his head. You got a guy in Le'Veon Bell who, I mean, since he's been in the league, he's been great. I mean, it's not like the guy has, and he hasn't, he's not a showboater. He's not, he's just a, a hard nosed football player. He's got somebody, a, a two time Super Bowl winning quarterback and, uh, and Ben Roethlisberger. You even got Juju Smith-Schuster who's coming into his own right. So it's a lot of big egos on that team. I'm curious to see exactly how it's going to unfold, Drew. Um, and to your point, and I totally agree with you with, you know, everybody meshing with the Eagles, but normally you don't see that when with a team that all the players been drafted. Mm-hmm. These are all drafted players. Mm-hmm. Like, these are p- players that, you know, grown together for a while. Like, it's not like a whole bunch of free agents coming together and they're trying to piece things yeah. together. Yeah. These yeah. are drafted players. So, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I put it on the coaching staff. That's just yeah, and I, I, and I, which is where I kind of I see both sides of it. So I see the side of you know ownership not doing their their part. Um, I also see the the side of you know the coaching not doing their part. But then there's the third aspect in the players. Is, you know, we got to be grown men at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think you know definitely the the coaches should have a, a hold on their locker room. Um, one of the, one of the things that I did like about uh, you know Todd Bowles. Um, Dan Quinn, Pete Carroll, these coaches, they have a hold on their locker room in the sense where 
no matter what is going on off the field or whatever inside, they are still tight knit. Even with the whole situation that was going on with the Legion of Boom and and the the at the end of the day, the locker room was still tight. They never turned on each other. And so I think that was um I think that definitely falls back on the coaching. Uh, with that being said, I can expect to your point, uh, Jerome, there to be some turnover within that organization, whether it be Mike Tomlin, whether Antonio Brown moves, whether, you know, obviously we all see that or foresee that Le'Veon Bell um, is moving around. So with that being said, there's a lot of teams right now in the NFL who are currently looking for uh, head coaches, assistant coaches, um, and even coordinators at this point. So my question to you, and I'll start with you, Jerome, who do you feel as far as a head coach or even an assistant coach, who do you feel is that guy that is probably going to get the first shot at being a head coach? Who's the who's the marquee guy on the market right now? Um, I would say um, Mike McCarthy. He got fired um, a few weeks um, prior, I think like four weeks ago, five weeks ago, something like that. And I, I, think, I think that he will be the most prime person right now. I know that uh, Lincoln Riley was like the big name going around. He just got re-signed. So um, it makes it that window even more smaller. I think that like right now it'd probably be him just because he has so much more experience than all the other coaches. Like all the other coaches that have been fired, they've you know, been only coaches for like three, four years. Um, when Mike McCarthy been around for, I think, like 10 years maybe, something like that. And I think like a lot of these teams, maybe like even the Buccaneers, I'm not saying he will go to the Buccaneers, but like a team like the Buccaneers where they just turned over a new coach within the last 10 years, like maybe like two, three times already, probably want somebody that can be more stable as a coach rather than, you know, somebody fresh, a fresh new um, coordinator that, you know, never had any coaching experience because they already went through that. So like they probably want a more seasoned coach. Okay. And Chris? Um. I'm going to go ahead and say I think I got I got three. I think the first one is the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans, Matt LaFleur. He has he was, he was brought under the coaching free under Sean McVay, who learned right under Jay Gruden. So imagine a Sean McVay-style offense with, let's say, he was being interviewed for also the Green Bay position. Can you imagine Aaron Rodgers in a L.A. Rams kind of style offense that would actually rejuvenate his career? It's an actual more updated up to speed offense in which a lot of people are, which a lot of teams are trying to do today. My second pick is the defensive coordinator for Chicago Bears, Vic Fangio. You got to look at the resume that he did in New Orleans with, not New Orleans, um, San Fran, when Jim Harbaugh was there and he was able to make a top five defense there with Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, Eric Reed, and the job that he's doing right now with with Khalil Mack, Sharif Floyd, Akeem Hicks. There's like six, five or six pro bowlers, all pros on that defense, the number one scoring defense in football. I think if he's able to get his hands on a defense like the Jets, I think the Jets will probably be one of the top five defenses in the league if he can just find a really good experience, experience coordinator to help call the plays. And last is a guy that has been out of the league for the past few years, but he is one of the better quarterback whispers that we've seen over the past 10 years, Bruce Arians. I would definitely like to see Bruce Arians get another try. We've seen him do wonders with Andrew Luck during his rookie year. And what he was able to do in Arizona, getting Carson Palmer almost an MVP back in 2015 before Cam Newton won it. It'd be nice to see Bruce Arians come back. Uh, that's a good point. And speaking of Bruce Arians, he's, he has reportedly 
been recorded saying that the only job that he would be interested in having right now is none other than the Cleveland Browns. And I would love to actually see that, uh, see him, you know, get paired up with somebody like Baker Mayfield, a young guy who just, you know, you want to see Baker Mayfield win. That's the type of guy that he is. He just, he's so infectious, his attitude. Another guy, though, that I think might fit well with uh, with the Browns again is Dan Campbell, uh, assistant coach for the New Orleans Saints. I feel like coming from, you know, working under Sean Payton, I think that type of uh, knowledge that he must have gained over the years working with him could only bode well for somebody like a Baker Mayfield who's kind of of the same stature and, and build of a, a Drew Brees type guy. So I think that he would be a, a good fit. He might be able to pull some things out of Baker that we haven't seen. Um, Who would ever thought know. that in 2019, the most desirable coaching job in the NFL would be the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very, very good point. Very, very good point. Now, speaking of the Cleveland Browns, they did not, unfortunately, make playoffs. The Ravens kind of spoiled that for them and ended up winning uh, their division. But the playoffs. Playoffs? They start this weekend. Oh, man. It's that time, people. It's playoff time. So, looking forward to this weekend. It's wild card weekend. Slate of games coming on Saturday and Sunday. Chris, I'll start with you. What is the number one game that you're looking at? What is the game that has the biggest implications as far as Super Bowl and different things like that? What What is the one game that you're looking at and you're like, I got to see that one? I definitely want to see Houston versus Indy. I think it's going to be a battle between Deshaun Watson and Andrew Luck. Two quarterbacks who are going to be around for like the next decade, battling it out for the AFC South. And to be honest, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I say whoever wins this game is going to make a legitimate run at the Super Bowl. Woo! Hot take. Yeah. Jerome. I'm going to say, and I'm pretty sure I think I'm going to say the Eagles, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to say the Chargers and Baltimore. The reason why I say that game is for two Huge reasons. One, you got Lamar Jackson, the most explosive quarterback at the moment. He's super exciting. Everybody's excited to see how that offense is going to be in the playoffs. Like, is it can it sustain the what I think it was six and one he's, he is right now? Six and one, yes. Six and one under that kind of style of playing. Then that defense is like shut down and like probably second best in the league behind the Bears. And then you have the Chargers, where they're so explosive on offense. And I know these teams already played already, but it definitely was a defensive game. Um, I don't think that Rivers had his best game. The Chargers' offense being so explosive, um, they're going to have Melvin Gordon this time. Uh, so they're going to have a lot of weapons to be played for them. But I think that it's, it's a huge game for the Chargers. Like, they finally get back to the playoffs, and everybody – well, most people think that they're they've been a Super Bowl contending team for the last couple of years, but they had so many injuries on the team that kind of hindered them back. Just a whole bunch of different things, offensive line issues and things like that. Can they get over that hump? And I feel like whoever went whoever wins this game is probably gonna go to at least the AFC championship. Okay. All right. So some some bold predictions here, man. I wanted to say Houston Indy. I really, I really, I felt the same. I, personally, I feel like that is the game of the weekend. Like, I think that is the one that if we watch, if you're to watch that game, you're like, oh man, this game is amazing. Um, 
and I and I agree with you, Chris, that you know whoever wins this game could possibly make a, a strong push in the playoffs. I, I wanted to agree with you as well, Jerome, as far as you know the 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 Ravens and the Chargers. I mean that is that's huge. I mean. Phil Rivers and, and the pressure that he has on him right now. I mean, he's got the offense. He's got the weapons. He's Now he has the defense finally. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like you were saying, like the last couple of years, it's like they've had a good team. It's just things are just not falling their way, whether it be missed field goals when they're down by one point and three seconds left or injuries that have kind of derailed their season. And now they're in a situation where they have – everything that they need you know they've got the the running back they've got the quarterback they've got the receivers they've got the offensive line they've got the defense everything is meshing very well um and they're going against the best defense in the playoffs right now other than maybe the chicago bears um you know the the ravens have the number one overall defense the number two uh scoring defense in the nfl so if they beat them and take them out Especially in the AFC, you're not looking at any other team out there like that's that. like a defensive juggernaut, and you're mm-hmm. saying, "Oh man!" Um, so it's a possibility that the Chargers, like as you're stating, could make a run to the you know to the championship game, maybe even the Super Bowl. But mm-hmm. honestly, I, I think that the the game to watch for me is is the Eagles and the Bears. I feel like um, the storyline behind that is the reason I want to watch it for for the simple fact that you have two premier defenses. Playing against, uh, you know, playing playing two of the offenses where neither offense is prolific, but both offenses can put up points if mm-hmm. they are clicking on all cylinders. Um, then you've got the storyline with Nick Foles. I mean, he's had, well, I believe, five or six straight games, uh, playoff games, I should say, with over a hundred uh, passer rating, and that's that's almost an NFL record. Like he's he's doing things that are unprecedented as a backup, and it it, it it's like what would you do if Nick Foles was to come in, take this team to the playoffs and then back to the Super Bowl? That would be insane, which ladies and gentlemen leads us into 10 minutes of takes. (laughs) So ladies and gentlemen, you guys know exactly how this works. I'm going to give you guys a topic, a question. If you agree, say nothing. We'll keep it rolling. If you disagree, You'll hear this noise. So, let's, let's hop right into it. The first question. If Nick Foles takes the Eagles back to the Super Bowl, win or lose, he is the starting quarterback for Philly in the next season. You guys don't feel that Nick Foles, if he gets them back to the Super Bowl, whether they win or lose, he's going to be the starter. Why, Chris? Let's start with you. Listen, what Nick has been able to do in relief for Carson Wentz has been absolutely amazing. It's unprecedented, and it's probably something we're probably never going to see again in the history of the NFL. But Carson Wentz is absolutely the future of, this, future of the franchise. He's, he's younger. When he's healthy, he's a legitimate MVP candidate. He led the league in touchdowns through Week 14 and only broken by one touchdown by Russell Wilson last year. Basically, the offense you see with Nick Foles spreading the ball now, you saw with a healthy Carson Wentz last year. When he able to spread the ball to Trey Burton when he was an Eagle, Zach Ertz, Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar had his best year, his career year, with Carson Wentz at the quarterback. I think if Nick Foles does win the Super Bowl, I think they're going to do their due diligence and entertain offers 
but they're not going to pull the trigger on any of them. Carson Wentz is the better option going forward. And to be honest, I'm kind of tired of talking about it. <laughs> Jerome? I'm actually so glad that Avery said this because living in the Philadelphia area, listen to the radio all the time. Oh, my goodness. I, 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 every day I just feel like, oh, I, I really want to call in. I really want to call in, but I know it's like an hour wait to get call in for the, the call in. Call but, sure. man. Not on the Air It Out podcast. You guys can call in and we got Call you. in, call in. <laughs> now you're Ryan Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, I... I am totally in a hundred percent agreement with Chris. I can't see them keeping Nick Foles after the season. Period. No matter what happens, a huge thing that everybody kind of forgetting is that Carson Wentz did not have an off season. He didn't have an off season. So, like, you put that in consideration. You put in consideration that there's so many injuries. He have his own injury. Him and Alshon Jeffrey didn't get to uh, even throw passes to each other until like week. Five maybe, like from last from even before last year. Mm-hmm. So they don't have a chemistry. Um, his main chemistry was him and Ertz. Like that was always his guy anyway. And I just feel like you know people are kind of overseeing the fact that Nick Foles looked horrible in the beginning of the year. Not only at the beginning of the year, the preseason as well. Like it was really bad to the point where everybody in the beginning of the season was like. When is Carson Wentz coming back? When is Carson Wentz coming back? And it, I just think it's really funny how everybody kind of forget that. Um, that's not taking any credit from Nick Foles because I'm not a Nick Foles hater. I actually love Nick Foles, and I think he's a really good backup quarterback. But you see, every time that he starts for a team, he don't start well. Yes, he had that one year with the Eagles. Um, I understand that. But you have to take into consideration – what he done as a starter and what he done as a reliever, basically. So at this point, he's kind of a reliever like in baseball. He come in, he playing really well, but can't sustain that through, throughout the season. And I, I honestly don't see him doing that. I can't see him doing that. If you look at the tape from Wentz from last year to this year, you can clearly tell that he's not as fluent and shifty as he was last year. And that's really taking a toll on how his de- decision-making is going and how he's been playing. And also, if you look at his stats from last year until this year, it's not that much difference. There's only one constant um, difference is the turnovers, as in not even interceptions. It's just that they, he's he's been fumbling more or things like that. And he haven't been, quote-unquote, clutch in the games. And I think that's what everybody's kind of seeing, that he haven't been clutch. Well, like, if you look at his numbers, his numbers are similar to last year. And he uh, he haven't been winning the close games. Like, you know, every game that we lost this year, it, it wasn't like we got blown out except for the one, obviously, the Saints. But other than that, it's been it been all close games. So I, I, I don't understand how people can just write him off all already. Okay, and you 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 said something about um, you know Nick Foles not starting the year well. I think most people would attribute that to um, the coaching and Peterson trying to do a little too much with them. Um, as you've seen over the last what two two games now, they've gotten back to what was Nick Foles' bread and butter last year, which led them to the Super Bowl, um, which is you know those RPOs and just allowing Nick Foles to spread the ball around a little bit more. Chris. I will say at the beginning of the season, Foles was 
came into the season as well battling his own injuries as well. He didn't have Jason Peters or Alshon Jeffrey to start the first two games as well. But if Nick Foles does win the Super Bowl, he has that right to go into free agency and go to a team that's actually going to commit to him being a starter or a bridge quarterback or whatever label you really want to put that on. When he has been named the starter and they commit themselves to him being the starter, his numbers are good. The 27-2 touchdown to interception ratio they had with Chip Kelly the following year, his numbers were down, but they were still winning. They were 6-2. and two. The Everybody wants to say, oh, well, look what he did in St. Louis. Well, no one could win in St. Louis under <laughs> those circumstances with Jeff Fisher. We all saw what happened with Jared Goff and Case Keenan when he was there as well and life after Jeff Fisher. But I don't see this as a quarterback controversy at all. I love Nick. I love what he's done for the organization. But And for Eagles fans everywhere, he's a guy you can easily root for. But Carson Wentz is the guy. Man, you Eagles fans are strange. I tell you, boy, the guy brings you a Super Bowl, wins the MVP, gets you back to the playoffs, and potentially gets you to another Super Bowl, and you're like, nah, we still want the guy who can't stand on the field. No. It... <laughs> All right, Avery, let me pose you this question. Let's just say, hypothetically, Michael Vick led you to a 13-3 and year. He gets hurt like he almost does every year, like his career. And Chris Chandler comes in relief and wins the Super Bowl. Are you keeping Chris Chandler? Or are you if he Michael? does it the second year, heck yeah. Sorry, Michael Vick. <laughs> I'm a fan of the team before I'm a fan of Michael Vick. Who's the better player, though? The one who got me two Super Bowls. Two. In what fashion, though? Two. In what fashion? I don't care. Mm. A W is a W. Whether we win by one or win by 50, a W is a W. Shout out to Nick Foles. If he does this, Listen. it's going to be an amazing storyline. We're moving on. We're moving on because you homers are All sick. Right. Question <laughs> number two. Is Andrew Luck a top five quarterback right now? And we have some disagreement, Chris. You don't you don't feel that he is a top five quarterback? Close. You said right now because I'm trying to map out, as of right now, the top five quarterbacks in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, both Brady and Rodgers haven't been playing like top five quarterbacks at all this year. So, you yeah, had to consider Patrick Mahomes. You had to consider Drew Brees, who are both playing at MVP levels. Phillip Rivers was in that conversation as well. And, yeah, I'm going to say Andrew Luck's been a top five quarterback because I think only three or four of the quarterbacks have had a better year. That's Mahomes, Brees, Russell Wilson, and Phillip Rivers. Okay, so you believe he, so you agree he is a yes. top five quarterback, and so Jerome, do you agree he's top? I'm five? also agreeing. Okay, like you said, the keyword right now, and Andrew Luck right now can still get MVP um, consideration. Obviously, you know, it's most likely going to be Patrick Mahomes, but he definitely is a candidate, and he's doing it with a lot less. Like, look at his weapons; he don't have the that those big name weapons. He got, you know, um, T.Y. Hilton and the... Um, who's been injured. Eric, Eric, yeah, with who's been injured. And um, Eric Ebron. Like, who can't hold the ball. <laughs> so, who who else do he really have? I mean, yes, the offensive line... Lack of running game. Lack of running game. The offensive yeah, line been, coming back strong. Yes. But also, I get granted the offensive line been a lot better than previous years. But even in previous years, when he didn't have all those weapons... That he do now, and he don't have that. He didn't have the offensive line. He's been playing really well. Like, yeah, I think people forget. I think it's a it's a what have you done for me lately type right. of situation. That's how the NFL is. 
I think people have such a short-term memory, though, that they forget the greatness that Andrew Luck brought to the organization mm -hmm. in his first couple of years. I mean, two straight AFC Championship games. And Without then he, defense. It, with no defense, with no, again, at still no running game. Um, and again, still no real huge weapons. Um, you know, I, I believe he had Reggie Wayne at the, the tail end of his career. T.Y. was kind of coming into his own, but no real extreme weapons. And he did things that in the AFC they were where people were like, um, you know, it should be the Steelers, Patriots, maybe even Ravens, where they should be the top echelon guys. And he brought that team to two straight AFC championship games. So we're going to stick with the Indianapolis Colts. And we're going to talk about a guy who we talked about earlier. Le'Veon Bell is a Colt next season. I'm gonna give you a little more, <laughs> a little more time. I, um, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm agree. I will agree. Okay. I'll agree. So, so there's agreement here that Le'Veon Bell is a Colt. Oh, there it is. The disagreement. I think. I don't think Le'Veon Bell is going to be a call. I think he's going to be a New York Jet because Sam Darnold's definitely going to – the easiest thing for to alleviate pressure from a young quarterback is a strong running game. And when you look at Le'Veon Bell and when what he's able to do in terms of how much responsibility you, he's able to put on him and still able to produce, it's a perfect fit for him being a New York Jet depending on what their coach is. If anything, I'm going to make a bold prediction. I'm going to say if Antonio Brown – does leave Pittsburgh, the Colts are going to be the one to trade for him. Hmm. Okay. All right. That's a that's a really bold prediction. So, um, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna think that Le'Veon Bell will be on the Colts. I think it might make a little more sense to go to the Jets. They have a better defense. You know, quarterback to Chris's point, so they'll run the ball more. They've got the cap space to pay him what he wants wants to get paid. Um, though the division that they play in is, is the question. Um. And, and the reason why I think he ends up going to the Colts, the Colts play in a quote-unquote weaker division. Mm -hmm. And I believe that, um, you know, he would love to play with Andrew Luck, um, you know, because Andrew Luck is somebody who he will, he, he will take the check down. And Le'Veon has proven himself as a receiver in this league. Mm -hmm. He can run the football. Um, and, you know, that kind of solidifies to me uh, them as a, as a legit contender uh, every year with a strong running game, a what we consider top five quarterback right now. Um, mm -hmm. They can kind of focus more so on the defensive side of the ball, which is probably their weakest area right now. Get, uh, you know, Darius Leonard some help. Um, their offensive line has been playing vastly better. So mm -hmm. I think that, uh, yeah, for sure, I think that he, he ends up being a cult. But at the same time, to Chris's point, I think that the quote-unquote smarter choice would probably be the Jets now. You said something about Antonio Brown and the the Colts possibly trading for him. So that is the question. Should the Steelers consider trading him? You disagree. All right. So why, why do you disagree? Because um, they honestly, they just, the main reason is because they just gave him a contract. And going back to what my argument was before, I think it's more on the coaching. Like, if you have a good coaching core, the stuff that we're saying, we're not supposed to say. That's supposed to be behind the scenes. So, like, all that comes down on the coaching. And I feel like if Thomason did his job, 
a lot of the stuff that's going on in the locker room wouldn't be going down. Because, like, if you look at their numbers, him and Ben Rockenberg is killing it right now. Okay. Like, why, why would you, why would you leave unless it's like a coaching thing? Like, and I, I and honestly, I think Ben Rockenberg prior to leave before AB. Hmm. So. That's interesting. So we'll go ahead and Chris. Yeah, to not, not as a trade, as a no. Yeah, retiring. <laughs> I think Pittsburgh trading. Antonio Brown would not be smart at all, especially when you have Ben Roethlisberger only retirement over the past few years. That being said, I can, after seeing the whole AB single, like he's seen the whole Le'Veon Bell situation go down. He he saw the way how his own his own teammates raided his locker and like basically just took his stuff. It's kind of a toxic environment that no player would just invest themselves long term in being. So it would be smart for Pittsburgh's sake to trade him, or you can just kind of have another Le'Veon Bell situation where it's just going to be too late for you to get any sort of compensation for him, legitimate yeah. compensation for him, and then he just walks away and controls his own destiny of being a free agent. Well, not necessarily. We also forget that he did just sign a contract, and he's not 25. Yeah. You know, Antonio Brown is 30-plus, so he's – Technically, quote unquote, when the last leg of his, of his career. So. I really want to say that wide receivers have a lot more longevity than running backs do, and you could definitely see. I could definitely see Antonio Brown feeling disrespected and slighted towards Roethlisberger that he'd probably pull Le'Veon Bell and probably hold out. Uh, if if you're talking about that, essentially, then I can understand. But if you're talking, you you, you ended with free agency, and I'm like. By the time he becomes a free agent, I don't know how effective Antonio Brown will be and as I, far as elite and you know. And um, yeah, and like you're, I think that's the part that you're trying to say is that AB really don't have no leverage. You really don't. Essentially, like, right? Yeah. So, like, if anything, they'll ride Juju Smith-Schuster until he comes and play. Exactly. Like, and they've been doing that anyway. Juju's so, coming up and yeah. coming up into his own. Their tight end, I, I, I'm slipping his name Jesse right now. Jesse James, Vance McDonald. Yeah, Vance McDonald has been playing extremely well. I mean, to me, he's like, if we're talking about complete tight ends, he's one of the most complete tight ends in the NFL. Um, you yeah. know, you got you got James Conner, um, and then who's the other? Jalen uh, Samuels. Jaylen, but, the, so I, I think they have enough to where the rebuild won't be extremely catastrophic. Um, but at the same time, to your point, Chris, I think, you still want that veteran receiver. Yeah. You still want that guy who does threaten defenses because right now he's still a top five, top three receiver in the league right now. So, um, you know, you know, <laughs> but so um, we're going to stay in the same division. We're going to go down the road a little bit, though, to Baltimore. And we'll end out with this. The Ravens will make the Super Bowl. Both in disagreement. Jerome, I'll start with you. All right. So, like I said earlier, it, they have to beat the Chargers. And this is going to be a Chargers team that's going to be a lot more um, motivated to win this game. And, you know, like I said, they've been in a drought and they have, like, a really talented team. If they mm-hmm. do beat the Chargers, I can see them going to the championship. I don't see them going really to the uh, Super Bowl or winning it just because uh, – their offensive style, like I, that offensive style, I really don't trust it. I, I, I'm amused to see how far they can go with it because it is a such a unique style. Because 
Lamar Jackson is so fast, and he is starting to throw a little bit more now. So that passing, it's like the opposite of like regular like quarterbacks like Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, where you know they're gonna they're gonna pass, but then they have the threat of running. He's like he got the threat of running, but he could pass. So it's a, it's a unique unique situation. They do have a really good defense, but any given Sunday, it's you know. Um, and the teams that are in are really explosive offenses, so I don't think the defense is going to be able to withstand all the teams during the playoffs. Okay. Chris? Harbaugh should be really thanking Lamar Jackson for saving his job in Baltimore. I don't see, I'm kind of to Jerome's point, I don't see how their offensive play style is going to be sustainable to win playoff games. I think they have enough defense, and the that home field advantage is going to come to the, come to a major factor it, against L.A., but having to go on a road to either go to Arrowhead or Gillette Stadium, that's that's a tall mountain to climb. They win the, they're predicated on uh, time and possession. If you play eight in the box and you force Lamar Jackson to try to beat you with arm, that's a bet that teams like Belichick, Andy Reid, even Anthony Leonard are going to take ten times out of ten. I, I Until Lamar Jackson becomes a better passer – better pocket awareness and his mechanics get better. I can't see them being a legitimate Super Bowl threat yet. So with that being said, I I agree that I don't think they're going to get there. However, I don't agree with your assessment of the style of offense. I think that is actually what is great for playoffs. Um, run the football, control the clock, get those teams who are explosive off the field. Don't let teams like a Patrick Mahomes and uh, a Phillip Rivers have the ball for too long. Um, and then play extremely solid defense when they do get the ball. Don't allow them to get into a, a, a specific rhythm or anything like that. Um, so I think that they do have the the tools and the the style of play is actually, um, you know, what I would like to see in the playoffs. And I hope that they make a run and we'll see what happens. But it's the Aired Out Podcast and it's time for the playoffs. Hey, guys, guess what? We have a blog. We have a blog. It's coming. It's coming soon. So don't forget to check it out. You can check it out at www.insidethehashes.com. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at InsideTheHashes, on Twitter at InsideHashes, and go on Facebook. Chat it up with us, Inside the Hashes Football Talk. For Avery Collins, Christopher Thomas, and Jerome Jones, it's Inside the Hashes. Over and out.